Jarvis, drop my needle. Hello, this is the hardcore legend Mick Foley, and if you are interested in listening to idiots, you came to the right place. Have a nice day. Woo! That's an attention getter. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. What we're dealing with here is a complete lack of respect for the law. Oh my God, he's an idiot. You know, of course, that you're out of your jurisdiction. Personally, I think you're an idiot. But that's the evidence in the car. But I was going to Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. Always like to keep my audience riveted. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, friends and fiends, and welcome to Free Range Idiocy, the podcast about everything, but mostly just the stuff we like. When Boba Fett made his glorious return in season two of The Mandalorian, Star Wars fans, including the two hosting this show, were happier than a Corellian smuggler in a den of scum and villainy with a stolen credit card. A badass character that had been unceremoniously jobbed out in Return of the Jedi had been redeemed, and all was right with a galaxy far, far away. And now, we get even more. Book of Boba Fett premieres on Disney Plus at the end of December, which can only mean that, yes, one more round of fan theories about what's going to happen and who it'll happen to as we tell you which ones are the real and which ones are the jabroni in this episode 86. A bounty hunter walks into a bar and takes over the galaxy's criminal underworld. I am your Uncle Todd, and with me, as always, is the man who once took some expired cold medicine and then challenged Bob Holly to a two out of three falls hardcore match in a Wendy's somewhere in southern New Jersey. By the way, it was closer than you'd expect. Bob totally got away with pinning him on the salad bar. It shouldn't have gone down that way. He has been my partner in EDC for over two decades and frequent designated driver. I give you the man they call Tim. Greetings and salutations, my friend. How are you? I'm doing well. And you know what? I want to make sure I work that in there because you you totally <laughs> should have been hardcore champion instead of Bob Holly. But oh, uh, that level well, I, curmudgeon I, I, just got I you. I appreciate the shout out. I appreciate the shout out. I, I was very impressed that he did manage to break out the best drop kick in the business off of the same <laughs> salad bar. And you took it like a champ. You really did. It well, if, if we know anything from our, our backyard, uh, you know, wrestling matches we've had in the past, I, I am all about making my opponent look good. So, oh, yeah. You put on your flying shoes. You you bump. You bump for anybody and everybody. That's you right. Are, yeah. You are the man behind the man behind the man. I think I st- I'm still working that that middle of the back disc back into place after getting rock bottomed onto that rock. Good well, lord! I, I think it was more of a root, actually. Yeah, whatever it was, <laughs> it didn't feel good going into the back. <laughs> and somewhere Mick Foley's like, "You want to hear about an injury?" <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Mick Mick could put me to shame. It can put most anybody to shame. Let's put it. <laughs> let's put it that way. There's like NFL players who are you know real tough guys who go watching some of his stuff. Oh well, once again, I, I, this is our epic series. I feel like this is this is like if you if you if you happen to go to church and it's like oh, and we're in week 23 of our 48 <laughs> week series. <laughs> Oh my gosh, this is like our 18th real or jabroni, or it seems like. Uh, this is the last one of the year, though, and that's only because it's the end of the year. Uh, but yes. we are going to talk about all of the fan theories swirling about for the Book of Boba Fett, which we are unreally excited for. But first of all, we need to get into some bite sized chunks of pop culture and random geekery in a little thing that we like to call the Week in Geek. Week in Geek. 
feels so funky. Well, thank you, my friend. And uh, we're going to kick it off uh, a little different uh, this time around, uh, mainly because uh, we've already covered football in our prior episode, and there really hasn't been a whole lot of action since then. No. So we're going to start off with a little uh, Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, as, yes. As Uncle, as Uncle Todd mentioned, we've we've been hitting the realer jabroni gimmick hard, but that's only because, well, there's a lot of content coming out in the last two weeks. It's we have, like, we've wow. essentially turned this gimmick into like the 24-7 championship in WWE. Basically. It's just schoolboy roll-up after schoolboy roll-up each, each and every week. Yes, yes. And one of those movies, which we'll be uh, doing reactions to in a uh, upcoming episode, is Spider-Man No Way Home, which uh, debuted uh, last week. Really uh, just uh, blowing away the box office numbers mm. um, with, I believe, uh, according to the article, sir, uh, $253 million for the weekend. Is that what I read? Yes, which is uh, well, actually it's topping an estimated 260 and continuing in the U.S. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's oh, my gosh, it's crazy money. Crazy. Is this, money. Is, is this global? Let's see. I think that might be uh, domestic. Uh, no, an estimated 260 million and counting in the U.S. alone. Yeah. 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 I mean, this is insanity numbers when that was like what Black Widow pulled for its entire theatrical run was was like half of this. And yeah. people and the, and Marvel was thrilled. Yeah, I, I was amazed to read in this article, which uh, I'll source it from uh, Den of Geek. This this came by way. Actually, uh, just for a second, all of these came by way of Uncle Todd. We had a slight content shift, and uh, <laughs> Uncle Todd swooped in and uh, took care of business while I was off enjoying a bratwurst and some glue wine. So, uh, d- with all that, yeah, what, what was that? What's that place called again? The thing that you went to. Uh, the Chris Kindle Market. Yes. Okay. So yeah, you you were down getting your gluten gluten schleten gluten stuff today, and exactly. you know, in a nice farfig nugan on a roll, and all kinds of other goodness. And yeah, I was I was actually working today. Yeah, I I, I understand, and <laughs> and I'm un unjustifiably envious, quite honestly. <laughs> it just sounds like uh, it would have been right up my alley. Like, ooh. Yes. yes. Please oh, let me just it would have around. been, sir. It would have been. There were beers. There were steins of beers. It was uh, It was a whole thing. So uh, Just hush your mouth and let's get back to Spider-Man, shall All we? All right. So uh, what, what I found interesting was uh, this was – Spider-Man was the first movie uh, in two years, so going all the way back to Rise of Skywalker that had an opening that was uh, above $100 million, which yeah. I blew my mind. I mean – in a way, it shouldn't surprise me because, you know, given the conditions we've been living in the last two years, but it still kind of blew my mind given that uh, things had kind of reopened earlier this year. And, and I, I just would have assumed uh, of the movies that have been uh, released in theaters that, th- that we would have had something sooner. But um, mm-hmm. no, this is the first one since Rise of Skywalker to break that threshold. Yeah. And so it falls only behind Avengers Endgame. In Not terms of, shabby. in terms of, no, no, that's some pretty damn fine company right there, mm-hmm. and it actually beat out Avengers: Infinity War, so it, wow. it's insane, insane, insane. But at the same time, very well deserved. And and there's been a lot of folks who have kind of been crapping on, you know, comic book movies and this and that, just like anybody does, because anything that becomes popular. There's got to be somebody saying, oh, yeah, well, like if you're on Reddit, you'll see these posts where they're like, hey, does anybody else think that, you know, insert well-known band or artist here really sucks, even though everyone else likes them? 
And then a bunch of people pile on because they're like, oh, yeah, right. I didn't ever. It's like, you know, stop yucking everybody else's yum. Just like your stuff and just let the rest go. Although that being said, that we would be out of a job if we if we actually did that. So we'd kind of bend that rule a little. But uh, but oh my gosh, yeah, this so well deserved for such a well made movie with uh, mm. a lot of heart and a lot and a great story and great special effects, everything. I mean, it's just it was lovely, lovely. Yeah, and I won't yeah. go any further than that. Yeah, no, well earned, and um, you know the the story, and and I think you know I have to think some of the promise or or, or some of what lent itself to them uh, achieving this was you know again some of the anticipation of what folks. Uh, assumed was going to be in the movie, uh, some of which we covered in our Spider-Man Real and Jabroni episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, they they paid that off in spades. Um, I, I think, uh, as Uncle Todd, you know, just kind of alluded to, I think as well that it was a solid, solid story that was well executed and, uh, and really just... Uh, you know, it, it wasn't fan service for the sake of fan service. There, there was a good deep story behind it. And, and it was, uh, you know, the, the emotional moments were earned and, and we'll, we'll, we'll get into all of this when we get to our, our kind of readout reactions on, on this whole thing. But, uh, but overall just, uh, you know, it, it was, it was well earned given, um, given what they did uh, and, and, and what the story uh, came, came out to be. So fantastic movie would highly recommend it if you haven't seen it already. Yes, indeed. Yeah. All right. Uh, moving right along. Uh, Uncle Todd unearthed uh, and, and, you know, actually I'm kind of thinking we might've covered this one before I, I'd have to go back to a past outline, but we might have familiar, but you know what it's, it's, there has been nothing since September of 2021. And even yes. that wasn't that much. So yeah, I'm fine with rehashing this because Absolutely. it is just amusing to me to like, and, see like, Oh, here's an update on the, on this. And no, it's not really. Yeah, no. This this is a uh, so the topic is the Battlestar Galactica reboot uh, that is coming to Peacock in the near century. Um, basically, uh, Uncle Todd and I have uh, we we have uh, you know analyzed, given our thoughts, have have talked at length about Battlestar Galactica from the two thousands, a a masterpiece from beginning to end. Mm. But uh, this this reboot, uh, very skeptical and and rightfully so, because we have heard uh, next to nothing um, <laughs> about any sort of progress. So, which the really uh, funny part is that, like, as I was reading through the very beginning of this, like this this article is from two thousand twenty one. I mean, from September twenty twenty one. They're talking. They're like, oh yeah, which was an this this reboot, which it was announced in twenty nineteen, and yet yeah. still. This was like before Peacock launched and we were kind of talking about it like, oh, my gosh, they're going to is this going to be like the flagship show? Or is it going to come out like very soon after they premiere? Like, is this the thing they're kind of one of the things they're using to launch sort of like mm-hmm. when Paramount launched their streaming service? Star Trek Discovery was kind of like one of the big things that was it. I don't think it was on immediately when they debuted the service, but came along i mean not paramount plus but what was it called cbs plus or something like that uh, yeah i think it was like cbs online or something and uh you know it, but it was kind of like a hook like hey this is coming and that was one of the things that they used to kind of grab eyeballs and to pull people in initially that's what i thought they were doing with this and here we are two years later not only do we not have like casting like a logo anything 
There's mm-hmm. like I, I'm convinced that they haven't even probably even outlined anything. I, I'm 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 this is like it's like a Ponzi scheme in some ways. <laughs> like I'm, I, but I don't know how they're profiting off it. That's the Are thing. We're bringing out the MLM. Is that what we're saying? No, it's not even as legit as an MLM. Like this is just an out and out scam. All right. like, this is an out and out con. I just can't quite mm-hmm. figure out how they're profiting, which actually fits in very well with how this whole thing is going. It's like, you didn't even think about how you're going to make money off of this, did you? Yeah, not real well, smart. And, and to your point, sir, I mean, we, we also, so there's been no progress in the last two years. And one of those years, we spent about 75% of it locked down in our home. So you'd think as a writer, you would yeah. have the optimal kind of environment to crank out an outline, maybe some kind of, you know, well, first run at a rough draft. You know what I mean? Like, like by, yeah. by now we'd have something that might come close to a pilot concept. Well, yes. In that, in terms of that, yes, there should definitely be. I mean, and, and you would think that there w- that Peacock would be trying to throw out something. Either that, yeah. or maybe the reaction was just so lukewarm or anti this that they're yep. just trying to let it go. And just, oh, yeah, just never mention it again. Like, they're trying to totally, like, WCW this thing. Like, yeah, just, yeah. it just went away. Um, but but it would be the optimal time to have, like, a series Bible and, and to write mm-hmm. the pilot. Now, as far as, like, the whole series, you know, writers' rooms and however the dynamics of that work, that's been tough. Like, there – but there have been writers' rooms – that have gone on during COVID has been virtual. And I've, mm-hmm. you know, I've uh, Mark Bernard had talked about doing some of that and how it's kind of awkward because part of, part of a writer's room, at least from, from what I've heard and, and kind of what I glean is the fact that you have, you're in the room together and, and there are, it's sort of like being in a band, it's the hang. And a sure, lot of the stuff sure. that comes out of that is people bouncing stuff around and kind of the weird things that happen and just the personalities come out and that all works into the scripts and the ideas that come forth. That all being said, we should have some sort of news about like, hey, we got a pilot. We're starting to do some casting. There's, mm-hmm. you know, there's this, there's that. I mean, you'd think that we would get something at this point, but no, which is why to me, I'm like, is Sam Esmail just trying to like, did he get like a, 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 a pay or play type of deal where it's like, hey, if you never make this, you still get $50 million. <laughs> really? <laughs> all right. <laughs> I'm just going to keep on saying, yeah, it's going to come out next month. I'm going to be over here by the pool with a cocktail. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Actually, has anyone even seen this guy since then? Did he just disappear and he's got like a a little like casa down in, in, you know, in Costa Rica that he's just retired to and we're never going to hear from him again? Quite possibly. I I mean, I'd be tempted to. I got to tell you. (laughs) You know, I think the other aspect of the article, which is interesting, was, you know, calling out to, uh, you know, some of the series that were supposed to have followed after BSG ended, um, you know, mm. the, the the Caprica, um, you know, the one season that that aired on Sci-Fi um, that was eventually canceled, um, their attempt to do Blood and Chrome, which ended up being turned into just a web series. Yeah. And, and just kind of pointing out that even if you have this rabid fan base that wants more BSG content, it's not a guarantee that when you put some sort of, you know, uh, not franchise, but some sort of vehicle out there that is meant to kind of carry that on, like they weren't carrying the viewers with them, you know? And so whatever they come up with is going to be, you know, they're, they're kind of facing an uphill battle because 
the fan base got interested in that series. And, and I think we've talked about this before that series at that time, because there was a hook there that was unique to the times of when it debuted. And yes. this whole, and, and, and what I mean specifically by that is this whole idea of the Cylons being human and being like sleeper cells within the human population was playing off of the vibe that was going on back in the early 2000s with all of 9-11 and everything that was going on. You know what I mean? And so yes. it, it kind of played off of what had been going on in the world around us and made it a, a little more accessible, I think. And so now, as a writer or someone putting together a reboot, what is that hook going to be now? Like, what is the thing that's going to pull people in? Because it can't just be the metal Cylons, you know, oppressing the humans. We, we've we been there. We've done that. We need something else. You know what I mean? Well, so I, I'm curious to see what that would look like. I would also argue, I think you're correct. You're correct. It is a product of its time. It is a product of a post 9-11 world. It is the, it is seeing the apocalypse of a human, of humanity being wiped out on a grand scale. However, there are people watch who are getting into that show today who are not of our age. I mean, because you and I, uh, being in our mid-40s, when 9-11 happened, we, are, we were in our early to mid-20s. And sure. that hits you a certain way at that age, as, the same as it would if, if those people who were 10 when, when 9-11 happened. It was a very different experience. When you're in your 20s, one of the first things you're thinking, at least I was, was like, okay, so where am I getting shipped off to in about a month or two? Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it's a legit possibility. Like You didn't know. Like When that happened, there was no telling. So there's a whole bunch of other stuff going on, but, th- but people are watching that now who are in their 20s. They were, they were, they were not alive or they were very young or people, you know, it, it, it's not that you have to be in and of that time, although it is a product of its time, but you don't necessarily have to be associating with, with that. What I think makes it, makes it most is just, uh, makes it, what makes the 2004 BSG, what it is, is being a product of its time, certainly. However, it's the combination of an excellent showrunner who had already been through a lot of sci-fi and knew exactly mm. what he wanted to do. Yep. And, and the, the assembly of talent that they got, and it's, it's kind of a lightning in a bottle thing. Like having Edward James almost come in and essentially just literally become the captain of that show. Right. And, and from, and from everything I've read and heard, like he was very much like a champion of that show and like, Hey, we're going to do this right. And nobody was going to, me- no one's mucking around. Mm-hmm. When Eddie's on 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 set, because he's taken this deadly serious, right? And all right. and and Bear McCreary's score and just all the decisions that they made that went into that, all of a sudden they're like, "Hey, well, you like Battlestar Galactica? You're going to watch Caprica? No, right. why? Well, because the characters aren't as compelling. It's not the same writing staff. It's not the same thing. You know what? Just because I I am passionate about you know." the Admiral and Laura Roslin and Starbuck and Apollo and all this, it doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to want to watch something else in that same world. If you don't give me characters that are as good and acted as well. Just yeah. Period. Like, I mean, it, 100%. It, it, yeah. And, it's, and it's, you it's, saw that back when, when you had the original Battlestar Galactica and they canceled it 
And then they said, hey, well, maybe we can make a sequel, but we got to make it cheaper. So by the way, we're not going to have Richard Hatch or, or a Dirk Benedict on it because they're too expensive. So we'll pay the money to Lauren Green. And like I think they paid like one other one or two other actors from the original series that they like. I think Lauren Green was probably the big ticket guy. And then they had a few other affordable guys. And then they brought in a bunch of new actors and we're just like, hey, see, it's Battlestar Galactica. And people were like, no, it's not because it's it's obviously cheap. And I don't care about these characters because I didn't know them. Right. And you can look at you can look at any number of series that have done have tried to do this where they either replace actors or they continue a show or they want to spin off another show. It doesn't work because I like those characters or I like the writing from here. And then you took that away. And now, well, I just won't continue watching it. Sort of like what you were talking about with uh, with WWE and wrestling and stuff like you can. You you want Vince wants this world where you just tune in because it's WWE, and it doesn't always work like that, right? Well, and 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 to your point, there there was more more to that series than just the hook. But but I I do remember it being they showed the pilot, and then I think there was some time, and then they kind of got into the series, right? Um, uh, as, yeah, as I recall. Yeah, so, yeah. So the miniseries came out first, and then there was right. there was definitely a, a break before they they went to series because right, you know, the miniseries was kind of the test, you know, to see like, oh, does anyone really want to watch this as a show? And it kind of it kind of became obvious as that air that yeah, there's there's something here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And 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 the storytelling obviously was was a huge part of it too. It's it's the the challenge now is now that there's been a version of this that has been done well what are they going to do that's going to make it compelling for people to want to watch again, you know, or, or, or watch yeah. something that's branded by this or, or, or branded in this way um, once more, because like with anything, once you see something that you think is very good and has set a very high bar, it's very difficult, you know, to, to, to connect and be engaged in something else that follows. It's trying you know, to, to kind of reach for that bar. Yeah. It would be sort of like when you talk about Star Trek, I mean, well, cause you can make, and, and one of the things that they, they mentioned in this article is the fact that it's already been rebooted once, you know, how do you, to do a third, well, a second reboot, a third, a version of this story or these characters or this universe is extremely hard to do. Because there are still people who who love the original Battlestar Galactica, the you know Lauren Green, Richard Hatch, you know type of thing, and and feel yeah. very passionately, and still don't like the two thousand four, you know, uh, uh, what's his name? Gosh, the uh, the showrunner. I'm I'm Ronald D. Moore. They don't like the Ron Moore version. Now you're gonna, but it was done really well, and it was very popular. Now you're gonna try and reboot that. It's like if you took Star Trek. And you did Star Trek, then you did Star Trek The Next Generation, which was a gamble. And then you do like Star Trek The Next Next Generation instead of going to Deep Space Nine and starting to explore right. other areas. If you and, and it would be almost like if Star Trek The Next Generation was essentially like, hey, here's a different version of Captain Kirk. Here's a different version of Spock. And they kind of got away with that because they were like, you know, OK, you can see where that da- where you know, Data and Spock and, okay, these these characters are similar and things like that, but it wasn't like a one-for-one one thing. And then say, okay, well, that worked. All right, now we're going to reboot it again. And here's another version of Kirk. 
and here's another version of Spock. It'd be like, your chances of success on that are so astronomically low. You reboot something once and make it work better than the original. Yeah. Just walk away. Yep. Just walk away, dude. You've, you've won. Yep. Because the other thing is, it's it's not like it's it's not like something where they can do like the, the Star Trek thing and go, oh, well, here's Deep Space Nine. It's called Battlestar Galactica. You got to have the ship in the show. Mm-hmm. So somehow you have to get around the fact that, hey, we already told this story twice. So are we going to get into Batman now where we, we show the apocalypse of humanity yet again? Like, oh, we're going to kill Bruce and um, we're going to kill the Waynes again, by the way. Enjoy. Right. We get to watch that in Crime Alley again. How you, how do you get around that? And I think that I, I just I don't the 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 chances of, of success on this are so stupid low. It's like hitting on 20 in blackjack. Like, really? Yeah. Are, even the dealer is going to ask you two, three times. Are you really sure? I mean, I know that I, I'm going to be doing my job here, but really? Exactly. Can we, can we get someone to test this guy? I think not. Not only is he drunk, I think he's on PCP. <laughs> the first time a dealer ever refuses to to take to give uh, a guy a hit, like nope, yeah. nope, sorry, I can't in good conscience do this because you're so stupid. Right. <laughs> All the aces in the shoot are on the table right now. No, I Don't won't do it. Do it. Don't you do know? it. It's like um, a what was it a. What was the what was the poker thing where he's like, I won't draw on a made hand or something like that? I can't remember. Uh, is that rounders? It might be. I, okay. I I don't remember. Anyways. All right. I've I've talked long enough on that. You please rescue <laughs> me from myself on this. No, no, no. I I, I think we uh, I, I think we have debated and adjudicated, my friend. I mean, I, I, I think we both feel like this is not going to be um really any sort of compelling content. Uh, and quite honestly, you know, I'm not going to be surprised early next year if we end up seeing a little blurb saying, Oh, BSG reboots no more because Hey, you know what? The Peacock network is, is going and it seems like they're doing okay without it. So, yeah, <laughs> so I don't know that we're going to really get that. And in fact, you know, what would be a, you know, what would be a better, a better move than that. If on Peacock, what they did was they actually took and 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 gave us the full version of the episodes, which I'm I'm guessing that they, I'm guessing that they haven't done that because we, when mm. we did our rewatch, you were watching on Amazon, and they no, would no, cut I was out, watching on Sci-Fi, Sci-Fi. That's right. So yeah. Sci-Fi. I'm I'm guessing it's probably the same version of the show. Like you want to really, you know, give people the ver- give people a, a chance to watch. Like, hey, here's the air version, and then here is the extended version of every single BSG episode with like the extra scenes and stuff like this and, and give Ron more, give Ron more a couple th- hundred thou to, to go back and recut, you know, extended versions of all the episodes and then also have all the common, all the DVD material, put that on there and just let it go. Yeah. Like you've already got something that's absolutely fracking perfect. Just right. gussy it up and give us all the stuff. And you yep. know what? you're you're going to get a boost off of that because people want that. I've got all the DVDs, so I'm a happy camper. I've got that forever and ever. Amen. But you can't find any of that stuff anywhere now. No, no. Throw that on Peacock and make a big deal out of it. Profit. There we yep. go. Much better than this money is. laundering scheme that apparently, you know, Sam Esmail and is working with the mafia or something. I mean, I don't MLM. know that that's true, but I mean, it's a rumor. I mean, I just started the rumor, but it's a rumor. 
Indeed. So once again, BSG reboot, not a good idea. Thank you once uh, again for playing Pat Summerall to my John Madden. Just let me no rant. Problem. Like, no and problem. And in summary. <laughs> <laughs> Took the last 15 minutes and boiled it into five words. There it is. <laughs> That's why he gets paid the big bucks, folks. <laughs> uh, our, our next item, uh, and uh, I don't really have a whole lot to say about this because, quite honestly, I have yet to see. I think I may have seen the trailer, but uh, Uncle Todd entitled this article, Do You Actually Give a Crap About the New Rapture from the New Jurassic World movie? <laughs> and the answer is no, I do not. <laughs> I can give you the short answer of no, uh, but you, sir, uh, ha- had a few thoughts on this, and, and I'm just uh, curious, what is stuck in your craw about this new Raptor? I just, I just, it's not the new Raptor per se. Like, I got nothing against it. I'm sure it's a very lovely dinosaur descended from birds, you know, and has a beautiful prancing way about it and whatever i i don't i'm just tired of the fact that like this is kind of the way that these movies have gone you know like it's all about the dinosaur du jour and and chris pratt doing chris pratt things it's it's not interesting to me you know like the first movie we had is we had the raptor with the blue thing because apparently you know they they combined raptor dna with this other dna and then cindy Lauper's hair from the 80s and they were like oh it's named blue oh sure why not whatever and you know then of course you know that raptor makes it to the next movie and then we've oh hey we've got this new dinosaur and it after a while it turns into like it's all about the dinosaurs which it kind of is but you got to have some interesting human characters mm-hmm. involved as well to actually give a crap about otherwise it basically becomes a a less cool godzilla right and and it's that's just kind of if, what it is for me. These movies don't really do much for me because it's like, hey, here's nostalgia and we'll kind of do some stuff that's sort of like before and eh, eh, it just falls flat for me. If I put it into uh, wrestling terms, is, is it kind of like they've taken this franchise and they started with like a ladder match and then they kind of turned it into a TLC match and then they turned it into a tag team TLC match? It's like there's always like one next step to take the gimmick. You know what I mean? And and it, it, is that kind of what what this is all about as well? Like it just seems like every time they come back with another sequel, they have to invent some new dinosaur, right? It's almost like you take the heart foundation mm-hmm. and then the next thing you get is the new foundation <laughs> and you get Jim the Anvil Neidhart and Owen Hart in like the ultimate like 1990s like teal and hot pink mm-hmm. weird sort of like uh, I think they had the baggy like hammer pants and the, oh, yeah. and, the and I think they I think they actually had suspenders as part of the gimmick as well with like mm-hmm. the puffy jacket that had like the Arsenio hall, like extraordinarily big shoulder pads and all that. Yep. And then you go from there to whatever the, the new heart foundation was or the new, the heart dynasty or, or whatever, where it's like, Hey, they're somewhat genetically related. You're going to like them. Right. And everyone was like, meh. Because that's all you got left at this point. Point is like, mm-hmm. oh wow, so great. Yeah, they they descended from the same loins. Okay, that's wonderful. I guess. Yeah. Can they wrestle? Oh no, they can't. Next. <laughs> 
and it's the same sort of thing. It's like it's 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 like yeah. oh well, it's related to it, but do you really care? Nope. You haven't right. given me you haven't given me a reason to care. I mean, the the one thing I'll give them credit for, uh, and and I, and I don't want to belabor this too long, but but one thing I'll give them credit for is at least in the prior movies with Chris Pratt, the like I know what you're saying about the the Raptor Blue or whatever. I at least like the fact though they they were trying to do something with what once was a lethal human killing dinosaur, and they were trying to bring a different angle to it by having, you know, him find a way to connect with, with the animal and, and start to coordinate and start to be able to have the animal, like, I don't mean to say to like, he didn't domesticate it, but it was just like the, the, the way he was able to go from it being, you know, the lethal villain of the very, very first Jurassic park to now being this, animal that he has some ability to communicate with and relate to. You know what I mean? Like I thought that was kind of a cool twist on things. Now in that movie, they still brought in a new dinosaur. You know what I mean? Yeah. They still brought in some, you know, you know, the Hardy boys jumping off, you know, the, the 20 foot ladder instead of the 50, you know, the 14 foot ladder. Well, yeah. Cause um, you make it bigger and, and louder and just hope exactly. everyone is just baffled exactly. by it. Yeah. So yeah. for this movie, I mean, I'm, I, I'm looking forward to, to, to the movie because I've, I've heard some good things about it and I've heard it's, you know, taking things in a very interesting direction, get some of the old cast together. But I agree with you that that, you know, this idea of always having to bring some new dinosaur in with some new abilities and some lethal, you know, human killing instincts, it just feels kind of, I don't know, a little bit over the top and, you know, Bubba Ray Dudley jumping off the 20 foot ladder onto a prone Jeff Hardy on a table. <laughs> uh, sure. <laughs> As opposed to the eight foot ladder. That's all. Okay. But I'll go back to my original answer when we started this entire diatribe about this particular topic and say that I believe the man they call Tim and Uncle Todd both Booth Booth I both we both appreciate we both do not give a crap. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Thank you. Scottish is crap. Yeah. Pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> now right. that would be that'd be great if all the if all the dinosaurs had like bagpipes and wore plaid. That would be that would kind of be badass. I know, uh, it, it would, it would, it would be. Uh, it's like, do you hear the pipes? Oh no, sight, they're coming! A sight to behold. And finally, in this ultra extended version of the Weekend Geek, um, how we is it that one? I can always complain about the length of the Weekend Geek, and I'm the one who wrote this, and now I'm extending it out to like be an hour and a half? I puts four articles in. I'm like, this is going to be an episode. I was like, no, we'll be fine. We'll get through it all. <laughs> power corrupts. I don't know what the hell. Is. <laughs> this is like the. This is like oh. some sort of like tiki god that we're just like when you get it bad, stuff starts happening. <laughs> But our final one is uh, a nod to uh, the five-year anniversary of yes. a pleasant and and I'll say surprising. I mean, I the, it, it was unclear how this film was going to do, but it was a standalone um, and and stylistically just just a, a wonderful throwback to the original trilogy, and uh, in, in the way they did it and some of the tricks they pulled to have certain characters appear. Uh, but Rogue One, uh, hitting five years, believe it or not, folks. And mm-hmm. uh, 
just a, a interesting article Uncle Todd unearthed uh, that was discussed. Uh, basically, Gareth Edwards, the director, was discussing some of the challenges and, and ways they went about filming, um, you know, especially Vader. And comparing uh, filming Vader to, uh, I believe, working on a car commercial <laughs> because it's like not filming a human. It's filming something that's very reflective and light, you know, plays off of the entirety of the uh, outfit yep. in, in various ways. And so uh, it was kind of an interesting article to read. But uh, but, sir, your your thoughts on this and the, the five year anniversary of this movie. It's in, it's so interesting because if you think about it, five years, not a lot of time. And in five years, we've seen the birth of the idea of like, oh, my gosh, the standalone Star Wars movie, because this was like a Star Wars story. That was kind of like the original thing, like Rogue One, a Star Wars story or, or something like it was it, whatever the term was. And we're like, oh, my gosh, these are going to be great. And there's and, and then within a couple of years, Solo, a Star Wars story. Well, that's dead. screw this we're not doing yep. these anymore yep. it's like well that was quick all it took was was uh you know was uh it was actually seeing the uh the kessel run in person and everyone went no nah, i didn't need that uh but yeah the highest of highs and the lowest of lows in two movies is is kind of funny to to look at but oh my gosh this movie was such a revelation when it when it happened and is still one of my favorite star wars movies Yep. And it was one of yeah. those, is, is another one of those things where I didn't know that I wanted it until it was set in front of me. And then I'm like, oh, my gosh, how did I not know that I wanted this? Yeah. And yep. it's again, why, why fans, I, I'll say it again, like, and I say this as a fan of stuff. Fans are dumb. We don't always know what we want. We think we no. know what we want. And then it ends up not being what we want because often fans are not the ones who have, have the same creative vision and, and knowledge of what's going on. And I had no way of knowing that this is what I wanted, even though in some part of my mind, I would be like, yeah, you know, it would be really cool to see how the how they got the plans for the for the Death Star. But Mm -hmm. I didn't I never thought that much about it or thought it would happen. And then all of a sudden here it is like, oh, my gosh, this is better than I could have ever imagined and way better. And doing it in a way, like I mentioned, it, it, it kept the aesthetic of the original trilogy. So when you saw characters, mm. they, they had that kind of, you know, 1970s look about them, yep. um, you know, and, and with the costumes, with the ships and everything. And then, you know, the, 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 the trickery they played with the visual effects, bringing Tarkin back to life was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there was a number of just really really interesting and never before seen shots like the shot of the star destroyer hovering over over jetta yeah it was just was awe you know like yeah. i just remember seeing that like holy crap i don't think i've ever seen a star destroyer quite that way before you know it nope. was amazing um and then there was the whole thing with like the death star rising on the horizon there was the oh. death star you know kind of tipped upside down so um, many gorgeous visuals in that oh movie man like flying did, down toward that that gate uh, yeah. at, at the end oh my gosh how did gareth edwards not get a trilogy like seriously mm-hmm. like that movie is legit beautiful every i mean because when you look at like even the uh when they go and they and they uh and Jin is in the in the big troop carrier thing and even that that muddy planet where they're like plowing through i'm like oh my gosh that's such a great visual mm-hmm. like it tells you everything that you need to know of like this is a miserable fracking place yep you know combine yep. that with her in the cell and like 
two scenes that probably total like 40 seconds to a minute of screen time tells you everything you need to know about her existence. Yep. And, and, and yeah, like the shuttle flying down on the planet where, uh, where they're doing the flashback to uh, mm-hmm. the Urso's home and the, the those like those, those badass black you know armored stormtroopers walking across and oh my all all of it is just bafflingly beautiful and just so it fits so well in the into that into that world oh mm-hmm. man it's and, just a great flick and just a great flick forget, lest we not forget Vader at the end and that's and the thing is like. If they had just cut the movie when they after after like the plans got out and then the and then it's uh, Jin and and Cassian on the beach and you, that's the end of the movie. Everyone's happy because, yeah. again, this is something you didn't even know that you freaking wanted in your life. And then it's mm-hmm. they're presented to you and it's done that well. And the movie ends right there. Wow. It is still one of the greatest one of the best Star Wars movies mm-hmm. ever. Top 10 uh, or well top 10 yeah uh you know like top five arguably at that point like your your original trilogy and then like that's got to be four or five from for a lot of people yeah then you go mm-hmm. into this zone where you're like wait are wait he, what oh they not and and i mean it's it is like life-changing when you realize that oh my gosh this is moments before the beginning of episode four. Like they are taking mm-hmm. me right up to it. Mm-hmm. And the first time that Vader shows up, it's, it is literally like the only thing that even comes close to like approximating that is like, as is like as a teenage boy seeing like boobs for the first time. Oh, good I, I'm serious. Good Lord. I, we talked about it in pre-production. It's the only thing I could come up with. It's oh. it's not even close. It is it is that moment where you're like, I didn't know. I just didn't know. <laughs> and and you know, but oh. and I say that in good humor, like I know. like as as because when you're that young, like you're just you're kind of dumb, <laughs> you know. And it's just like that is like you think that's the end all be all of life, and then you get older, and well, you're still like that, but then you learn these other things too. So. <laughs> Mm. You know, that's that's just, you know, that's just the way that we're wired and hey, whatever. But it's it is it is one of those things where it's just like you're it's just so far beyond anything that you had any reason to expect. And then, of course, you get you get Leia at the very end. And then it's just like, okay, and now I went from like, oh, my gosh, this is awesome to like, I kind of want to cry. And it's Mm -hmm. just like it's perfect. It's perfect. Yeah, I I was just going to say. You know, for for Gareth Edwards to have the opportunity to not only, you know, film scenes with that character, that iconic character of Vader, but to do him justice and showing him at his prime. Oh, um, yeah. Basically Mm -hmm. going through and, and, you know, we we got a small smidgen of how ruthless he could be in Star Wars and, you know, to some degree in Empire, but never like that. You know, no. never where he is a one man wrecking machine going through yeah. and just, you know, taking out an entire squadron of of, of rebel soldiers um, all in pursuit of these plans, which to your, you know, to your point, perfectly tees up, you know, going right into episode four. Um, I, I'd read an article last week with Edwards where he was talking about, you know, look, when we see Vader in Star Wars, you know, for the first time, he is not happy. 
you know, he, he is upset. Mm -hmm. And so this was an opportunity to kind of say, here's why he's upset. (laughs) Yeah. Because because not only is it them getting away with the plans, but it's him, you know, he was so close and, and he was just so dominant and, you know, for that character and, and what we know of Anakin and his thirst for power and, and kind of forming the galaxy in his own image, um, what, you know, had to be extraordinarily frustrating. It was like, so, so to your point, perfect segue into episode four, great way mm-hmm. to bridge those and, and really telling a beautiful story where let's face it, the entire, you, you know, set of heroes, you know, sacrifice themselves, which is a very mm-hmm. rare thing in, in movies because you can't make a sequel out of that. So, yeah. Yeah, well, <laughs> so. we say that, but we are getting Cassian. We are getting well, a, Andor fair. on, you know. Prequel, prequel. But, but the thing is, now, also tying into this, uh, a couple days ago, we celebrated another anniversary, the one-year anniversary of the final episode of Mandalorian Season 2, when we get the return of Luke Skywalker mm. doing a very similar badass just... Just yes. total laying waste, Jedi in full flower. Luke in his prime. Yeah. And just to know that those two things are kind of up for anniversaries is like, yep, this feels just right. Feels just right. And on that note, <laughs> this was your 46 minute version of the Weekend Geek. Well, we thank you all for tuning in this week, and uh, it's now time for <laughs> us to get going. <laughs> Whoa, 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 player. <laughs> we, we, we still have some uh, debate, some, some, some adjudicating to do here, my friend. Oh, oh I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, I guess we gosh. should get to that. So, all righty. We are at the main event, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, ding, here we are going ding. to, uh, once again, go through a set of rumors, uh, theories, ideas that the interwebs have produced around what exactly is going to happen in this show, the book of Boba Fett. Mm -hmm. And rather than, uh, you know, just take it at face value. We, of course, here at free range, ADC put our own wrestling infused spin on all of this. If you're not familiar, we like to call this segment, this episode, if you will, the real or the jabroni, where we will call it down the middle. We will we will declare what is real, what is not. And there was a bottle of bourbon on the line, ladies and gentlemen. So someone goes home a winner and a winner who may not be able to walk a straight line. So um, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Hot point. laughs> thank you, Shiki. All right. Uh, with that being said, we will dive right in. We will go through. We will make our selections and uh at a, another episode, we will walk through these selections again. We will score and award uh, the the winnings to it. Now, one little spin we put on it. Uh, well, actually, to- two little spins because we 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 were going to be joined by our resident uh, Star Wars expert, Mr. Jimmy Dice of those ah, yes. looking podcasters. However, uh, Jimmy Dice, this being very close to the holiday season, as we were well in the midst, the throes of the holiday season, as as the man they call Tim would surely say. Uh, uh, we, he's uh, he is rightfully so trying to clear out a little time to spend with his family so that he does not get like impaled on his Christmas tree for Christmas morning. And uh, so- <laughs> good Lord. <laughs> 
And so he's he's spending time with his family, so he couldn't join us for this. So uh, our best wishes to Jimmy Dice. Yes. And uh, but we uh, we are actually doing something a little bit different here too, Tim. So uh, who, what are we doing to to juice things up here a little bit? Well, I uh, yeah, the way I was going to frame this was, you know, it wasn't enough for us two chuckleheads to be wagering a guess at, at these sorts of things. We decided, why not involve the youth? The youths. Of- the Utes, exactly. Get the Utes involved. So Uncle Todd and, and, and myself uh, came up with this idea of having what we call the junior division reel or jabroni, where we get our, our children uh, to make selections on these whom we watch these shows with. So we will have uh, our children, uh, Kaylin, TJ, and Jackson. So Kaylin, uh, Uncle Todd's daughter, TJ and Jackson, my sons. Uh, and uh, they have already made their choices. We will read them off as Uncle Todd and I uh, think on, debate, uh, percolate, articulate. Oh gosh, we're already running real late. How about you? <laughs> <laughs> well done. Well done, sir. So with all that being said, uh, we're going to jump right in. And similar to uh, the Matrix Real and Jabroni, uh, we, we have a, a section here called Not Quite Dead Yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so first one. Uh, Boba Fett survived the Sarlacc via jetpack. Now, how does this relate to the book of Boba Fett? One of the thoughts and ideas is part of the series will be a look back at how exactly he was able to get out of what seemed like a situation that he died in. So when we see him in Return of the Jedi, he falls into the pit. He is assumed to be dead because the Sarlacc will be digesting him for the next thousand years. Mm. This one is meant to say he survives after Jabba's barge blows up, after Han, Luke, and Leia take off and go to the Falcon. All of a sudden, flying out of the Sarlacc is Boba Fett with a jetpack. Real jabroni. Jabroni, because his his jetpack was all jacked up from Han Solo hitting it. Ah, astute observation, sir. I can't take credit for that. My kid actually came up with that one. <laughs> As I, I How heard, many I, of these are going to be that? Basically, he has his ringer now, you know? Well, the thing is, like, as we, so as we were, as she was filling these out, I she had the laptop and she's looking through them and she would, I'd hear her like, hmm, huh, well, and I hear her talking it through. I'm like, good <laughs> Lord, like, you're putting actual thought into this, like. My, you're going to be doing this podcast in in like a week at this and, point. It's, and I said to Uncle Todd, I'm surprised. I said to him in the pre-production meeting, I, I was surprised he didn't all of a sudden pipe up and say, you know, this is Tim who wrote this. This isn't. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't, this like, isn't like a thesis that I put together. You know. But what can I say? She's a she is a a, a diligent young lady. So I I am gonna I'm gonna follow her lead on this one. All right. All right. Uh, and so, yes. Yeah, so, Kalen. Uh, oh, so my my selection. Uncle Todd said jabroni. Uh, I am going to say jabroni as well. Uh, and then for our junior division, uh, Kalen said jabroni. Uh, TJ said the real. And Jackson said jabroni. So TJ's huh. thinking it is going to be the jetpack. Everyone else, we're all saying no way. Yeah. And and just also to clarify, I just want to make sure we get this right out front. Sure. The the, the junior division is excluded from the bourbon contest. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I guess that was a key point I left out. 
Let's just let's just make that real clear, okay? This is, yeah. So so this is uh, strictly about the satisfaction of being on an award-winning uh, podcast. Uh, the Wait award, I believe, we won we an award. Awarded ourselves. Oh, and 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 that I think is the bottle of bourbon. So one of them. Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's it's all perspective. Well, Tim actually was to to Tim's credit once again showing himself to be the empathetic, nicer uh, host of the show. He says, "Oh, so should we do like a gift card to some fast food or something like this?" I'm like, no, it's just the honor of being on the podcast. <laughs> we aren't making ha- any money off of mentioned. this. Like, as far as I know, none of them are paying us rent. So, no. Oh my gosh! Internet fame and fortune—that's oh, what your reward is. That is your reward. All right, second one. Uh, the Tuscan Raiders save Boba Fett from the Sarlacc. Now, this one's kind of interesting because it would be an interesting twist that the Tuscan Raiders would do that. Um, but I don't know. I, I almost feel like it's it's going to be something aside from that. Like maybe the Tuscan Raiders help him afterwards, but I don't know that they would save him from the Sarlacc. So All right. I'm going to go Jabroni. I think that I think they will play into it because they're such they're such great characters, but I don't think they're necessarily going to save him. Oh, look at you! Uh, I am going to go the real on this one. Hmm. Okay, I, I I think, um, and and my reasoning is is this that there are a few pieces from the Mandalorian when we see Boba Fett that need to be kind of explained or or hopefully explained in the series. Uh, one of them is his possession of the Goffy stick. The other is his ability to wield it and the fact that he does, in a lot of ways, look like a sand person uh, or, or Tuscan Raider uh, in, in his clothing when we see him on Tatooine. That is um, true. Yep. So there, there's a lot of things pointing to them being some, you know, somehow influential in, in his survival. So I'm mm. going to go the real on this one. Okay. Uh, our junior division. Oh, sorry. Were you saying something? No, I just said, I, okay. All right. Uh, our junior division uh, shakes out this way. Kaylin uh, is the real on this, so she thinks this will happen. Uh, TJ says jabroni, and Jackson says the real. So hmm. so we have three the reals, two the jabronis. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. All right, number three. Uh, something, we don't know what, but something uh, killed the Sarlacc, and that allowed Fett to escape. I'm going to go real on this because I think it could that opens up a lot of possibilities. I, I think that's the case. Even if it's Boba Fett, I mean, maybe Boba Fett killed the Sarlacc. We don't know. Maybe he fired that rocket out of the out of the backpack. That's what uh, I am also going to say the real. Uh, and then let's see, uh, Kalen, TJ and Jackson all said the jabroni on this. So they disagree. And they're probably right. Let's just be honest. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll have to do a couple different uh, uh, analytics runs here. Like one being, you know, how, how did the kids combine score against their parents and, you know, just put us to shame? Yeah. Um, oh, it's, that's going to be a rough one. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> it's going to be rough. Indeed. Uh, number four, we see how Boba Fett saved Fennec Sean's life. Hmm. I'm going to say the real. I'm going to agree. It feels like it'd be a good informative flashback. 
All right. And actually, all of uh, our junior division uh, agrees. They all put the reel as well. So all five of us went the reel on this one. Wow, that's a clean nice. sweep. That's unusual. I feel good about that. Uh, this one comes from the mind of Uncle Tim, uh, or Uncle Tim, God, the man they call Tim. Uh, the Jawas. <laughs> Always saved- trying to steal my gimmick. Always. I know. I know. How, how could I? My goodness. And I, I, I think I gave you the cooler of the two nicknames here. Oh, you I, did. Absolutely. And yet you still want to steal mine. Wow. Oh, what can I say? You like uh, you like the dog that we had the we so we had we had two dogs. We had one that was incredibly stupid and one that was incredibly smart. Like smart in a way where you're like, I'm pretty sure you could drive if you had thumbs. <laughs> and the smart dog was not a toy dog. Like she didn't like toys that much. She didn't even like to chew on bones or anything like that. She didn't really it wasn't like a tennis ball dog or anything like that. But we would get them each a each a, a toy. She would take both toys and lay on them. <laughs> she didn't even want to play with them she just wanted to have them and mm. that's that's kind of how i feel like you about these gimmicks like you don't you don't even necessarily like the fact that i'm i'm uncle todd you just you just want the gimmick i just want it it's just it's it's more just bad memory more than anything else but oh, okay in that case go ahead okay thank you uh <laughs> number five and our final one in this section not quite dead yet the jawas saved boba fett from the sarlacc pit in an unselfish moment. No, Jabroni. The, the Jawas don't do anything for unselfish reasons. Like they, they, they're they're stripping Mando's ship just for kicks, you know. Mm-hmm. And they they're gonna get something. So I I think, and that's not knock on Jawas. I don't want anyone to think that I'm you know I'm biased against You're Jawas. <laughs> Tatooine is a, is a rough place to live, man. Like you got to do what you do to survive. You ain't mm-hmm. you don't have time to necessarily always be going around like, hey, you know that place where you can go down and suffer for a thousand years as you're being digested by this thing. Yeah, let's let me go down there and try and save this dude in the helmet who we don't know who he is. Mm-hmm. Nah, if the Jawas are going in there, he got saved by accident. <laughs> Well, I, I I will tie in one explanation for why I threw that in in, in a moment. But okay, uh, before we we move into the next section, uh, the so you and I said jabroni. All of our junior division uh, also said jabroni as well. So another clean sweep all around. Our next section I call a man of the people. Thank uh, you, Mario Bain. Thank you very much. So this kind of ties into the Jawas a little bit. So, and this this was a a theory or rumor I read online that um, the Tuscan Raiders. So the, a, a lot of these are going to be kind of based in this idea that the Tuscan Raiders save Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. So if you don't buy into that, you're not going to probably buy in any of these. But uh, the first one is the Tuscan Raiders Raiders sold Boba Fett's armor to the Jawas to fund his recovery. So the idea here is that. His his armor ends up with Cobb Vanth because Cobb Vanth got it from the Jawas, I believe. I believe he purchased it from them or something. Yeah. And the idea is that it ends up with the Jawas because in order for the Tuscan Raiders to heal him, they need to get credits in order to buy the supplies they need to at least keep his life going. So the idea, the the irony here is they sell his armor to save his life, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is where this is coming from. I'm going to go real on it because even though I don't think they they are necessarily responsible for saving him from the Sarlacc pit, I think that they are responsible in some way for him being alive. I don't think they're originally the the rescuers, but they are the person. They are the 
the folks who are helping him afterwards. So yeah, that ah, seems like okay. a plausible thing. I'm going to go the real as well. Um, I, I think this is plausible and would be an interesting way in a back, you know, kind of a, a flashback sort of uh, uh, scene to kind of show the, the, the chain of ownership, if you will. <laughs> From, yes. from, from from Boba to Ka, to the Jawas to Cobb back to Boba or to Mando then to Boba. Um, Man, and Mando's see. asking asking uh, what Timothy Olyphant. You got papers on that uh, on those? Uh, you got a clear <laughs> title on that on that set of armor? <laughs> I'm gonna gonna need to see a deed on that, please. Right, right. It better it better be it better be notarized. That's all I'm saying. Better be notarized. I just love how 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 the Mandalorian and Cobb Vanth like bicker over it, and then like Boba Fett actually throws on the uh, what does he call it the um, the something chain. Um, it was on the it was in my head, and now I'm forgetting it. Not blockchain, but it was some sort of chain. It, it was oh the it was chain on, code chain, the chain code. code. Thank you. Yeah, yeah it, it was that thing he kind of, that mirage that kind of fires up from from the arm piece that kind of shows. Yeah, he's like, yeah. this is my father. This is me. Just kind of showing the ownership. So I thought that was kind of funny. Like they they just kind of bicker over it, but he actually he actually can fire up the data to show. Uh, yeah. yeah, this is my dad's and this is mine. Yeah. <laughs> and you, sir, are not. A Mandalorian. No, you're not. Uh, our junior division came in uh, split. So uh, Kalen said the real on this one. Uh, TJ mm-hmm. said the jabroni, and Jackson said the jabroni. So, oh. all right. So not not proponents, uh, or at least my two were not proponents of uh, this theory at all. Uh, next one. Boba Fett's possession of the Goffy stick is due to earning the respect of the Tusken Raiders and they're giving it to him. I kind of want to say real, but I also I have this theory that things did not end well with him in the sand in the sand people. I kind of almost feel like he took it. All right. Like I'm I'm thinking that something happened and that he things did not go well. Uncle Todd thinks shenanigans were at foot. I declare shenanigans. Shenanigans. Uh, I'm going to go the real on this. I'm I'm bought into this Tuscan Raider theory. I think it would. Uh, you I are heavily be- invested in this. You're almost oh, yeah. a, you're almost as invested in this one as you were in Kirsten Dunst and Spider Man No Way Home. Like you, uh, yeah. you were buying that and like you were. Give me all the shares you can. I, all of I, them. I messed up on that one big time. <laughs> Now, now let's let's not no spoilers. Well, let's, oh. get, let's get to that when we get to that. I know, I know. All right. So Uncle Todd says Jabroni. I'm going to say the real, um, mainly because if you go with this idea that they saved his life, and, and I'm also kind of going off what we saw in Mando season two, where Mando could, you know, reason with them and speak their language and and kind of, you know, be a. Now, I don't mean to say be a part of their culture, but understand their culture enough to know how to not get on their bad side. Mm. Um, and and really, I'm wondering if what we'll see is, you know, Fett gets saved. And, and we see Fett in season two no longer really as a bounty hunter, more a man of honor. You know, like, like mm-hmm. you know, he, he will go against you if it's in his interest to do so. But he is an honorable individual in, in the fact that he doesn't abandon the Mandalorian, you know, his armor, you know, he's able to reclaim his armor and he sees through his promise to him to, to help him with, with getting, you know, with, with getting Grogu back. And so Mm -hmm. being, 
you know, kind of that honor bound person, I'm just thinking that, you know, that this experience he goes through kind of helps reinforce that. And there, and that's why I said the real. Okay. Uh, our junior division. So Kalen and Jackson both came in with the real and TJ said the jabroni. So. All righty. All right. Uh, number eight, the Tuscan Raiders are in bondage to the underworld cartels. The one that would I would I would actually think is more in bondage, it, more likely to be uh, working for a cartel is the Jawas. I could see that. That's the one that I, I would see as more being in cahoots or or kind of being subservient to a cartel. That's just me. So I'm going to go jabroni on this one. All right. I am going to go um, making that sound again. Again, like a squirrel with a like a rotten acorn or something. I don't. I know. It's like a chipmunk with a toothache. Yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to go jabroni as well. All right. And mainly because like what I'm struggling with is whether or not this answer conflicts with what my answer will be for number nine. Are we really which, concerned about conflicts at this point? After I, after the Matrix episode, are we really going to trouble ourselves with, with conflicts? I want to be consistent here is all I'm saying. Oh, that's a fool's errand, but that's just oh, me. Oh, my gosh. Well, anyways. Dude, you're, on a, you're on a podcast called Free Range Idiocy. Embrace it. Just I embrace am. it. I'm proud. I'm proud. Um, <laughs> so our junior division uh, for this one, the are the Tuscan Raiders in bondage to the underworld cartels, came in as follows. Kalen and Jackson both said the jabroni, and TJ said the re. Hmm. All right. So, and I was kind of bought into this one too, but I, I, I don't know. I go back and forth on it because there's other ways. So, so number nine says Boba Fett's actions throughout the series are to repay the Tuscans for saving his life. So originally in my head, I'm thinking if they're in bondage to the cartels, this is his way of freeing them and repaying them. But there's other ways he could do that. Like they don't have to be subservient to the cartels. And quite mm. honestly, how are how are they subservient to the cartels? I'm not entirely sure because they roam around the desert. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I I don't know. I mean, I think I feel like we might be getting a little too a little too into. Oh, he's a a man of honor and integrity. Like, yeah, you can still. We've seen plenty of somewhat honorable thieves and and honorable you know anti heroes and things like this. I don't I think that in some ways, you know, Boba Fett is still at heart a bit of a bounty hunter and a bit of this mm. of the of the original character. And I think I think that, yes, we saw a, a, a different way of telling that story through through Mandalorian and, and how he interacted with a fellow Mandalorian. I think that's an important distinction that there was that there is that code and that kind of understanding between them. I don't think it's I, I think that this could just be as simple as he's just like, all right, I'm taking over because you know what? Jabba sold me sold me out. I don't like this dude with the curly Q ear, so I'm just going to plug him first. And then you know what? I deserve this. All right, mm-hmm. let's do this. I think it could just be as simple as that. I don't think it has to be like, oh, now I need to go repay the Tuscan Raiders or whatever. All right. So I'm going to say jabroni.
I am going to say the real. So, all right, so we're different there. And then in our junior division, all of our Utes are the jabroni on this one. So I am the only one saying this is going to happen, and I'll probably be proven wrong. Smart kids. Moving on to our next section, a man on a mission. So what exactly is Boba Fett going to be about doing? So a few of these theories kind of, uh, you know, tip the cap a little bit as in terms of what that could be. So number 10, uh, Fett will walk through a checklist of vengeance, Kill Bill style. Oh, this is so tempting because I would, I would just, I would watch this show after show of like, hey, Boba Fett's going to kill this dude this week. Perfect. Sign me up. I'm in. <laughs> I'll take eight episodes of that, please. Yes. Yes. I don't, but I think it's a little, that's a little bit, well, I mean, I could play into a lot of different ways. Ah, that is tempting. You know, wouldn't you love to see like Boba Fett, like just in different ways, just like all of a sudden you just hear a bit of dialogue from different movies, like just, in, you know, tomorrow Morrison coming out today, I have settled all family business. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I have one later on that 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 is a Godfather esque one. So that would be that would be just sweet. Although I don't see Robert Rodriguez necessarily going quite that far into it, and that's why he has a career in Hollywood, and I do not. <laughs> um, I think that could be. I think that could be part of it. So I'm going to go real. I think that he could be out to settle a bunch of old scores. I, I real. I think that would be, and I think that would be awesome. I really do. All right. All right. Um. I want to go jabroni on this one, but I'm I'm a little hmm. Go ahead, make know, that noise could, a couple more times. It'll help you think. Because he could have started with Bib Fortuna, right? I mean, oh, totally. That was a that was a total like. You know yeah. what? You pissed me off in particular. <laughs> I, I never liked you ever. <laughs> Ever. And you know what? I would have plugged uh, your boss, but he's not around anymore. And you're almost as big as he was. Boom. You're done. Yep. Next. Yep. yep. All right. Uh, Wouldn't it be great? Like when the, like the first, like, cause I mean, of course that was great watching, you know, Bib just get jobbed out right there and, you know, Boba Fett sitting down on the throne. Wouldn't it be great if like the, the series picks up, Five seconds after that, and you just hear Boba Fett like, "Get that out of here!" Yeah. <laughs> Something like yeah. that, right? All it out, you know that are, it, like it just opens up the pit to the to the rancor. It's like, I hope you you know like there's a there's his feeding for the day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh jeez, that's funny. Uh, all right, so our junior division all said the real on this one. So they, so all five of us are the real on that he will run through a checklist of vengeance, Kill Bill style. Mm-hmm. Number 11, Boba Fett will play rival cartels against each other to achieve his end game. Hmm. I mean, it would make sense, but then it's also a matter of like, is that just too much trouble? How, how devious is Boba Fett and how... You know, how much does he want to work that or how much is Boba Fett just like, no, I'm just going to kill everybody. 
I think we're about to find out how devious he is. True. Very true. I think he's, I don't think he's devious. I think Boba Fett is shrewd. And I think there's a, I think there's a yes. big difference between the two. I think he's shrewd. I don't, which being shrewd, I don't necessarily think you, you necessarily play everyone against each other. You just kind of know like, okay, you're, I'm going to take you out. I ain't going to take you out now. Um, ah, but yeah, that's, uh, I'll go with real. Yeah. That's kind of part of it really. I think. I talked myself in and out of that. Isn't that that's that was talent right there? I know. I, that's my problem. I, I read some of these and I'm like, eh, it could happen. I'm going to say the real as well. All right. In our junior division, uh, Kalen and TJ were both the jabroni, and Jackson was the real. So, all right, three two that way. Uh, number 12, Boba Fett wants to be a crime lord, albeit different from Jabba. So the idea here is he is actually wanting to ascend to that kind of level. And he sees a opportunity with Jabba's absence to step in that role and become one. Hmm. Um... See, I have trouble with this because the the thing is, it's it's a very specific thing to say. Oh, he wants to be a crime lord, as opposed to just he wants power, which can be right, then right. leveraged into different ways. I think that that's on. I'm purpose. gonna go jabroni on this because I think it's it's a different thing. I think it's more like what the next question is going to be, and I will agree with you. Of course, you will. It's all a chess match for the bourbon. Oh, jeez. Here we go. Uh, our junior division, uh, Kalen and Jackson, uh, are both going to go the real on this one, and TJ will join us in the jabroni. Mm-hmm. All right, number 13. Boba Fett is trying to capitalize on an opportunity that Jabba and Bib squandered. I'm going to so, go real on this one. Yeah, so I, I don't say exactly what this is, but basically mm-hmm. something – Something has been there that both Jabba and then later on Bib uh, either didn't see or chose to just not even bother to, to do anything with. But Boba Fett knows about it and he knows the, the value, the importance, wants to capitalize on it. Yeah. And obviously this wasn't anything to do with a buffet because Jabba and Bib both found that no problem. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of funny how there's a physical similarity to those that take over this role. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but Boba better watch out. Otherwise, it's going to be, you know, he's going to need to expand some armor. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to go the real as well. So I, I think we're going to find out about something he's trying to capitalize on. That's going to be real rough if, like, by by the by the end of season one of Book of Boba Fett, he's wearing stretchy pants. You know, that's going to be real rough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, stretchy pants. Where are my recreation pants? <laughs> I like the sweats. Then give right. me the sweats. <laughs> <laughs> so our, our junior division also came in at the real on this. So all five of us are the real on number 13. All right. Uh, number 14. Uh, we find out Bib Fortuna could have saved Fett from the Sarlacc, but left him to die. Huh. That's interesting because that would really explain the grudge. But then again, how would you know that? <laughs> unless you have like unless you have some sort of shot of like Bib like literally peering over the edge of the star like like ah, ha, ha, ha. Well, 
I don't in, know how in, you. I don't know how Boba would necessarily know that. You know, to well to to use. To use Jimmy Dice's uh, term, uh, I think he's used the term headcanon before, right? So in my headcanon, the way this would kind of work is we find that Fett, you know, maybe through Jetpack or something else is is kind of fighting his way out and he sees, you know, Bib like on a skiff, like like basically Jabba's skiff blows up, right? Bib's yeah, not yeah. on it, but Bib comes with some other folks to kind of see what the heck happened, right? And he's over the Sarlacc pit, just kind of seeing like Jabba's ship and Jabba's everywhere and looks down, sees Fett and is like, ah, screw you. And then leaves. There's a chunk of Jabba over there. There's a chunk of Jabba over there. There's a bit of tail. There's, oh, there's a, oh, there's a bit of salacious crumb. Oh boy. That Muppet looking thing. Oh my gosh. Um, I'm going to go the real on this. I'm going to go Jay Brown. I, I don't think that's the thing. I think I think he just it's just like that sort of thing. Like, you know what? I just don't like you. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it certainly could be something else. There there may be some other event that is revealed. But I just thought this would be kind of interesting that for him to just kind of I mean, he he says nothing to him. He just walks in the room. Yeah. And shoots him. <laughs> well, the thing is, what would be great is like, you know, if if like, again, like that, we this it picks right up after that. And Fennec's like. You know, so so was he responsible for this and that and the other? You know, did you just not like Bib Fortuna? And if and if Bob was just like, is that what his name was? And that's it. Like it was just yeah. no. He just annoys me on a genetic level. There was something about <laughs> him I just did not like. I just decided I'm going to pull a Han Solo. I'm just going to walk in the room, not say a word, and just start shooting. That's what I'm going to do. No, that's his, what I'm going to do. His his response will be, he took my spotchka. <laughs> could be could be <laughs> you don't take boba fett spotchka no never all right uh our junior division came in with uh kaylin and tj saying the jabroni uh and jackson saying the real so hmm. we have uh three two in favor of the jabronis all right number 15 boba fett and fennec will battle with crimson dawn I'm going to go real on this, if only because I'm hoping that we will, that they're, they're trying to once again kind of redeem some of the, uh, the more neglected parts of Star Wars canon. And I, I, feel, I feel Solo is ripe for that because that, that movie has actually aged remarkably well, I think, mm -hmm. in terms of like overall canon. And it's, it's, it's not nearly as offensive as when I first saw it. And I'm like, oh, I yeah. didn't need this. Now you're so yeah. like, all right, well, there's some interesting stuff in there. I still say that movie didn't necessarily 100% need to be made about Han Solo. But mm -hmm. there are some very interesting ideas in there that could spin off into other things. Agreed. I'm going to say the real as well. I, I agree. I think it'll be a, a great opportunity to kind of expand upon uh, you know, that concept that was introduced in that movie. And since we're not going to get a solo sequel anytime soon, um, uh, you know, I think it would be kind of interesting to see that group still in existence, even throughout all the turmoil of the original trilogy uh, and have him, uh, you know, kind of go up, go head to head with them. So I am going to go the real. Mm. Our junior division, uh, we have Kalen and TJ agreeing with you and I. Uh, so they said the real, and then Jackson uh, saying the jabroni. Right on. 
All right. That fills out that section. So our, our next section is called Now You See Me, Now You Don't. This is all about appearances, ladies and gentlemen. And I don't mean a well, you know, a well, uh, uh, oh gosh, what was I trying to say? I have no idea. A well-manicured beard or something like okay. that. We're not talking about that appearance. We're talking about the appearance of, of characters that may be unexpected or may be expected given that this is about the underworld. We shall see. Number 16, Han Solo will make an appearance. What say you, sir? Jabroni. Jabroni. I, 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 don't, I, I cannot see how Sorry, you're going to go. I'm just typing. I'm not not talking to you I'm oh just, i understand you know. but i i just i i i don't see how you go like you have luke skywalker in the last one now you're gonna pull out han solo in this one you had princess like you at some point you just have to be like okay enough with the guest appearances from beyond you know mm-hmm. let's just let's just let this one stand on its own two feet or have an appearance by someone like really unexpected like what if we got Obi-Wan Kenobi showing up in this, you know, somehow in a flashback, something Mm -hmm. like that could be interesting, Mm. but I don't need to see Han Solo that, that I don't think that's the case. All right. Uh, we have Kalen and Jackson agreeing with you and I, I I also went jabroni on this one and TJ saying the real, uh, number 17, uh, Kira, who is a character from solo, uh, will, and as we left her in solo became the head of Crimson Dawn, she will make an appearance as the head of Crimson Dawn. So the only question I have with this is the timing because solo takes place quite a ways before a new hope. Correct. And this is taking place after return of the Jedi. Correct. So she would be a bit older. I don't know. It, I find it hard to believe that. So, uh, well, I mean, she's associated with Crimson Dawn, but isn't. Um, oh, what's his face? Uh, well, Darth Maul's dead at this point. Well, I know, but but Darth Maul was the head of Crimson Dawn. Correct. And then he he dead. So I think I, I'm I'm postulating here that she's taking over. Well, actually, wait a minute. So if Darth Maul was involved. Was it was solo? No, solo couldn't be taking place before Phantom Menace, right? So this is after after Darth Maul was got sewed back together or something, right? Correct. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It just seems kind of weird. Well, no, because Darth Maul's back. Huh. Huh. You know, I don't know if they're gonna go quite that deep, but that ah, oh, jeez. You know what? I'm gonna go real because I keep trying to talk myself out of it and I can't do it. So I'll go real. Why not? Yeah, the 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 reasoning I put into this is it, it would almost I, I mean, obviously, they don't have to have Crimson Dawn be a part of this. But if you're going to make one of the selling points of the show that every galaxy has its underworld and yeah. you introduce this entity at the end of one of your movies, it would seem almost criminal not to have it appear. And not uh, to have, I see what you did there. Criminal. That's good. <laughs> and to have a character who will, you know, probably not have an opportunity to make an appearance in any other, you know, Star Wars uh, uh, movie at this point, um, but bring her into this other story, you know, just as kind yeah. of a, you know, maybe not as a critical character, but maybe in one episode she pops in. You know what I mean? Yeah, Similar to. You know, we saw like Rhodey, right? He appeared in Falcon and the Winter Soldier in like episode one, but Rhodey wasn't a key piece to that whole series. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, it's very economical storytelling because exactly. you already have a character. It's like, oh, we don't have to do any explanation. You know who this is or we'll remind you of who it is really quickly. They're already there. They're already established. They already mm-hmm. fit into the universe. We don't have to. Again, it's more of a, hey, you remember this person? Cool. Right. This is where they are now in this organization that we've already introduced. That exactly. I mean, quite honestly, the only two criminal organizations that we've heard of in live action Star Wars land is Jabba's gang and Crimson mm-hmm. Dawn, right? I mean, mm-hmm. and then then you'd have to go into like Rebels to get anything else there or you'd have to go into, uh, you know, the extended universe or Legends or whatever mm-hmm. and get into Talon card territory and stuff like that. Well, it doesn't make any sense why you wouldn't because again it's it's so easy like hey here's a thing that only it was like three years ago <laughs> right i'm sure you right. should be able to remember this and if not hey guess what it's it's like two buttons over on the same app that you're watching this on so yeah no i'll, I'll go the real yeah i think that's totally you're, you're right on the button thank you all right, our junior division, uh, Kalen and TJ came in at the reel, and Jackson says the jabroni. So uh, we are 4-1 on that one. Number 18. Uh, and and I kind of regret writing this, but we also tried to cap, you know, we're really trying to cap our reel and jabronis at about 25 statements because it, you know, it gets a little long at the tooth, you know, once you and get yet, past that how point. how many do we have here? We have 25. We have 25. Oh, we did. Okay, good. Right on the money. Uh, so I wanted to do individual ones for this, but I grouped them all together. IG-88, Dengar, and Bosk will return to aid Fett and Fennec. These are three bounty hunters that appeared with Boba Fett in, in his first appearance in The Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. And these three would be making a return to aid him and Fennec. Yeah. And and just so we all know, realize, IG-88 does not specifically reference this the specific IG-88 that was in Mando season one. Correct. Is he gone? It's just Correct. that particular IG-88 that was in that. Although I wonder, though, I wonder if they, if that is kind of like, sort of like Favreau headcanon, that that is the mm. IG-88 that was in Empire Strikes Back that is now is part of the guild and all that. Like, I wonder if that... It, if that is the same IG-88. I th- thought they said it was different. Okay. But I don't I, I don't remember specifically what documentary I'm thinking of. I'm going to go Jabroni on this just because I, I, wa- I wonder just how plausible it is that those bounty hunters in a, in, you know, a criminal underworld, how long is the life expectancy of a bounty hunter? What 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 is the mm. career length of a bounty hunter? It's got to be somewhere around like what a running back in the NFL is. Like you got three to four years on average. And yeah. That's and you, then you're going to get shot, you know, in some cantina somewhere. You're going to be left for dead in a dumpster out back of some spaceport. Uh, right. That's, that's kind of what I'm thinking happens. Right. And, and and I don't have a whole lot of background on IG-88 and Dengar, but I had read some stuff recently about Bosk being in some ways a mentor to Boba Fett. Hmm. So Which one was Bosk? Was that the... Bosk is... He's the Trandoshan. He's the one that looks like a lizard. I love how you said Trandoshan. Like, I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, that one. <laughs> Like, this isn't God, Jimmy God, Dice just, that you're talking God, to God, here. I miss Jimmy Dice. 
<laughs> oh, because I mean, he could tell you like what their planet's like and everything. But you <laughs> tell like, me, sure, I'm like, sure, sure, yeah, 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 sure, sure. <laughs> Uh, or at least he could go into at least a few volumes of you know the extended universe to back oh, to back I'm this up. Sure, I'm sure but, he could. But I did read that somewhere that that I think in uh, in the books I just don't know what books um, that Bosk had been in some ways a mentor to to Fett. All right. So, but that I mean again. What what makes this one hard? I mean, I'm going to say the real on this one, but I fully recognize that not all three of them need to appear. You know what I mean? Like it would be mm-hmm. enough if one or two of them did. But I just thought it would be kind of cool. And knowing how they sometimes do these fan service moments where they bring in, you know, kind of the I, I just think it'd be cool for them to bring in the original crew, you know, like from yeah. that scene and have them appear to go to battle together. Mm-hmm. Like a little sort of Western deal, you know? Right on. Uh, all right. Our junior division came in with uh, TJ and Jackson as the real. So this is clearly a uh, Uncle Todd, the man they call Tim, uh, family battle right here. So uh, uh, Uncle Todd and Kalen are jabroni, and myself and my boys are the real. So we will see who's right. All right. All right, number 19, Grand Admiral Thrawn will make an unexpected appearance. Thrawn is very quickly becoming the Mephisto of the Star Wars universe. (laughs) Oh, he does have red eyes. I mean, it's it's getting real close right now because there's a a Thrawn (laughs) under every rock, behind every door. Behind every potted plant, if you will, in the in the Star Wars universe. Uh, this is jabroni. All right. No, no. And the thing is, like, you don't give people Thrawn until Ahsoka, if then. You know, you just don't all of a sudden drop him into the Boba Fett show because oh, it'll be cool. It's like no, this but is this is a huge buildup. What if there is an Imperial entanglement, and that Imperial happens to be, that ship happens to be captained or led by the Grand Admiral? Oh, but oh, how? Why would it? Like he's out know. in deep space I mean, with the space why would whales. Luke I mean, show up with the Mandalorian <laughs> because Luke can do whatever the hell Luke wants oh, to do. Good. Dude took down two oh, Death Stars. That's that's sound reasoning, there, my friend. <laughs> um, and space magic between those two things, like right there, that is that's it. Space magic and, the, and he's Luke effing Skywalker. Uh, all right, period. All right. Well, uh, all five of us have gone jabroni. Our, our junior, entire junior division does not buy into this as well, and, and mm-hmm. I understand. It, but and it's an wisely so. Of, wisely so. Wisely so. Well put. Number 20, Ahsoka will make an appearance. Jabroni. Come on. No. Ahsoka's getting her own show. We don't. This is, this is Boba's time. This is Boba time. Well, but think about it, right? Boba showed up in Mando. Right. Okay. And now has his own show. Ahsoka could show up in Boba's show as a way to drum up interest in that show. We already got Ahsoka and Mando. No, I'm no, just dude. saying. Let me just tell you. What time is it? It's Boba time. <laughs> Good God. That's where we're at right now. 
All right. I'll go Jabroni as well. So again, all five of us are uh, Jabroni on Ahsoka showing up. And once again, you're trying to talk me into the bad ones just to tr- just to rope-a-dope me, and it ain't working. I'm on to you. I am <laughs> I'm on to you. I'm not talking you into anything. Yes, you were. I was not. I was simply <sighs> giving a for instance why this could be a plausible theory. I just didn't Dude, buy into it myself. Just stop. You're, you're just, you're embarrassing yourself right now. <laughs> Number 21. Mando will show up to aid Boba Fett. This is one that I would say is the more plausible of them, but at the same time, I think that you I think you'd not kind of need to give Mando a rest. You need to have the one Mandalorian at a time at this point. Like okay, Boba managed to really play a huge part in Mando season two and inform that character and it worked really well. I think that it lessens both characters to have Mando show up and be like, hey, let me help you. Now, that being said, they'll probably do it in a really great way, and I will just be, like, dumbfounded by it. But I'm going to say Jabroni. All right. I'm going to say the real. I I think uh, Mando will uh, come through and help Boba Fett out uh, Mm -hmm. in in the same way that Fett uh, ended up helping him. All right. Fine. Uh, And our junior division agrees with me. So, Kalen, TJ, and Jackson all said the real on this. So, you're odd man out on this one, man. And that's all right, because you know what? They're just kids. They don't know how the world works yet. They, you know, they don't know these things. Oh, my goodness. Ah, here we go. Number 22, one of my favorites. Talon Card will make his debut, live action debut, during the series. This one I'm actually going to go. This is my going out on a limb one. I'm going to go with a reel on this because it fits in really perfectly because this would allow you to have a Han Solo character but on a much larger scale mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 doing some really interesting stuff and and really kind of compete yes and it also kind of gives you an in to then start getting into um oh what's her face uh oh, Mara Jade yes it gives you an uh-huh. in there as well so you you've got some some interesting ways to springboard off of that. And I'd, I agree. I think that's a, a heck of an idea. Uh, and I did not include her in this because we had hit our 25 cap. But I will say uh, I did send this in and uh, the one about Mara Jade to the scruffy looking podcasters for their true or false. They all said false to this. But what I will say, and you just touched on it, I I think this one probably has the most likelihood of happening if they mm-hmm. want to bring in a new character a la what Ahsoka, you know, kind of Ahsoka's appearance in Mando um, because of the underworld aspect of this. Mm-hmm. You know, like this is this series and the environment this series will be in. And I'm saying this off of very limited <laughs> trailers that have come out. So I could be totally wrong. Yeah. But if they are really making this about the underworld, then Talon Card and at the time, you know, at, at, at the time of him and, and Thrawn, at least in the Thrawn books, you know, Mara Jade is part of his crew. And so this could be the time when we see him appear and, and you know, maybe not his crew, but he could make his presence felt. And that would then, you know, play into potentially the Ahsoka series, because when you get Thrawn involved, then you know, card becomes part of that as well. So, mm-hmm. um, so it'll just be kind of interesting to see if they use book of Boba Fett to kind of springboard this character. Um, and I do believe Robert Downey Jr. is rumored to be playing him. <sighs> That's just, it, it won't happen. 
It would be great. <laughs> it would be absolutely great. <sighs> and, he, and he is exactly the kind of actor I think that could pull it off with a, with a, with a flair that would be befitting of, of Talon Card. I just don't see it happening. I yeah. don't. Not unless he is yeah. dying to be in a Star Wars thing. And maybe he All is. Right. I don't know. All right. Now, I, I need a parental override here. So, so Kalen <laughs> put a maybe down here. So I, I, I wrote that down because I wasn't sure how to interpret that. So uh, I'm going to defer to the father. Ah, shoot. And she's actually gone to bed by now. So I can't, <laughs> I can't even go and ask her for a straight answer on this one. I'm going to say uh, it's not really fair for her to say. Uh, well, the thing is, I, I tried to get her to read the um the zon trilogy and and i i couldn't get her to do it and i it's one of my mm. great failings as a parent um let's just go with i go with real she shares my optimism she shares my optimistic and <laughs> ideals there we go there we go all right so you myself kaylin i'll say the real and then tj uh or, i'm sorry and jackson as well says the real tj is saying the jabroni all right all right, we're down to the final three uh, in a section I call the end game and other minutia. Uh, number 23, this is just kind of a fun one. Uh, Fennec will pound a spotchka every episode. <laughs> I, now, I, the thing is, I can't remember what spotchka is. Like, what are we what are we talking about here? So when he shoots Bib Fortuna yes. and sits in the throne, she sits next to him okay. with a bottle of blue liquid. That is spotchka, I believe. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go jabroni. I, I think she's just having a celebratory beverage. All right. Mainly because I don't want to lose a point. I'm going to say Jabroni <laughs> as well. I really would like to see that, though. Like, just have that be a gimmick. You know, she just pounds a spotchka every single episode. I love it. But uh, all five of us have said this. The juniors come in as well and, and say Jabroni. So we are all five Jabroni on this one. Mm -hmm. uh, second to last, Boba Fett and Fennec. Ah, here we go. This is the Godfather one. Boba Fett and Fennec will wipe out, and I put in quotes, the heads of the five families, <laughs> a.k.a. the heads of the underworld, to achieve some altruistic goal. Uh, yeah, I'll go with a real on this. It's just too good. It's too good. What can I say? It's just and, too and damn even good. better is if it was him, Fennec, IG-88, Dengar, and Bosk. <laughs> And it, what, no, what would make it actually even better yet is if there's if there's like one of the heads of the five families is playing the Ava Goda rule role and trying to like beg his way out of it. <laughs> could you let me off the hook? Hey, boss, uh, could you let me off one time? You know, just for old times' sake. <laughs> Sorry, Sally. <laughs> Sorry, Sally. <laughs> you sleep with the fishes tonight. Yeah. Oh my gosh. All right, and our junior division agrees as well. So all five of us are the real, unlike the last one where all five of us were the jabroni. Mm -hmm. And finally, the last one where I will again need a parental override. Uh, Fett and Fennec, and, and so this is kind of the end of, of the series, you know, when the series wraps up. Fett and Fennec, or season one, whatever you want to call it. Fett and Fennec establish their crime organization as a quote-unquote Robin Hood group of the galaxy. So meaning they they have an organization that funds themselves, but they're doing a lot to kind of help others sort of thing. I go jabroni on this. All right. 
Uh, I am going to go... I got to think about this one. It's like an armadillo wearing tap shoes. Like, what, what is going on over there? Um, now you're venturing into Polly Shore territory. <laughs> the weasel. <laughs> oh, good Lord. Haven't heard that name in a while, have you? I have not. I'm going to go uh, the real. Oh, you sweet summer child, you. I'm going to go the real. And so uh, I need a parental override. So Kalen put possible. <laughs> No, we'll we'll put her as real because she okay. is not as jaded as I am yet. So <laughs> let's give very, her the well. the optimistic view. <laughs> all right. So our junior division all come in as the real on this mm-hmm. one. I come in as the real, and you, Uncle Todd, being the curmudgeon you are, are the jabroni. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds right to me. Sure. All right, and that wraps up our, uh, and I believe this will be the final reel in Jabroni for quite some time, uh, oh, barring kinda, any sort of new content that comes out. But I kind of hope so. These these are getting oh <laughs> my well, to it's my get nerves. costly once we start calculating. <laughs> my goodness, oh, man, yeah, it's gonna be rough. We're gonna be down to exchanging. Okay, what's under ten dollars? We're gonna adjudicate. We're gonna calculate, and then I'm gonna need to defibrillate. So. <laughs> 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 Nicely played. Nicely played on that thank one. Thank you. Thank you. And another thing. All right, sir. So what have you got for and another thing this week? Uh, I don't have it in our show notes, but I'll just read through it. Um, I am actually going to throw out there uh, the uh, the activity I have uh, done today with my family. We went down into Chicago, uh, downtown Chicago Daily Plaza, the Chris Kindle Market. It is a tradition uh, down in the city and is an outdoor, authentic uh, German market. Uh, they I had today Leberkäse, uh, which is a pork and beef loaf. Uh, they have br- uh, bratwurst. They have pretzels. They have all sorts of just amazing foods, pastries, uh, desserts, uh, a lot of crafts, uh, you know, all, all Christmas oriented, um, you know, ornaments, um, my younger son uh, bought a 3D wooden puzzle um, hmm. that was being sold by uh, by one of the um, market uh, folk, and uh, yeah, so it's it's just a it's a very cool uh, setting. Uh, of course, beer and glue wine uh, being served as well uh, in uh, in uh, what do you call them? Now, ornamental sort of a, like steins. What is um, glue wine? Uh, it's, you know, I got to look it up. It's, it's kind of a, um, I don't uh, know, but I drank about a gallon and a half of it today. Hold on. Uh, I should have, and I still can't wine. see out of my right eye. It's mulled wine. Okay. So it hmm. is a kind, it's like a spiced wine. Uh, here, let me back up. Oops. Oh, is it sort of like mead? Kind of. Um, usually huh. made with red wine along with various mulling spices and sometimes raisins served hot or warm. It is a traditional drink during winter, especially around Christmas. Hmm. Kind of sounds yummy. So, yeah. So um, so I had kind of a regular one, which was made from red wine. I think my wife had one that was from white. I think it was white wine, potentially with uh, it was like apple cinnamon. So uh, Mm. that had an interesting uh, flavor to it. So, yeah, so it's a it's a good it's a tasty little beverage to have when you're out in the cold. And uh, uh, so, yeah, so it was just a great experience. So if you happen to live near an an area where they have a Chris Kindle market, I would encourage you to go because they are just you know kind of a nice little step into another world. And and, uh, if if they're doing it with authentic in mind, uh, you'll have some wonderful foods and beverages to enjoy. So. 
That is my end another thing. Excellent. To round out the holidays. And you, sir, what is your end another thing? Well, mine is going to be a little bit of a tribute to uh, to our buddy Jimmy Dice, who uh, could not be with us because uh, one of the things that he kind of uh, he had a four day work trip, uh, and then he had a, a gig he had he played last week. Uh, Jimmy Dice is part of uh, this band called the Fog Cutters. He was also in a band that uh, I was in as well back way back in the day called Mama's Boom Shack. But more recently, he is of the Fog Cutters, which is a a, a full on big band. Uh, contemporary big nice. band playing a lot of a lot of interesting music a lot of interesting covers and uh, they actually a couple of years ago they came out with uh, with this uh, original album called Flotsam and it is all original music and you can get it on Bandcamp they also have a Christmas album called Jingle These Bells uh, which I recommend getting as well for for your Christmas prep next year because this is going to be coming out after Christmas uh, but some cr- old Christmas favorites on that and uh, you can you can enjoy that throughout the year uh, and if you are able to find I, they don't have it on Bandcamp probably because of some you know uh, licensing issues and, and things like that but if you can find some copies of uh, their their shows that were called uh, Big Band Syndrome they did a couple of these I think there was a few that were on physical CD releases if you can find any of those online they are well worth your time uh, it was a, a shows that they did with a lot of uh, main musicians and the musicians would come out and do versions of their songs that had been arranged for big band. So you would hear uh, a, a song that this person had written and then with a backed by a full, you know, 22 piece, I believe is how big this band is uh, big band behind them with horns. And it was, it, it's amazing. Nice. And some of the, some of the songs were just absolutely gorgeous. Like bring you to tears. Gorgeous. Uh, so if you can find any of those, well worth your time to to purchase the, the physical copies off the eBay or wherever you can happen to find them. Uh, but also you can check out Flotsam as well as Jingle These Bells off of Bandcamp and get the the, uh, the digital download on those. And uh, that way you help put a couple shekels in, in Jimmy Dice's pocket as well, as well as supporting uh, local musicians who are very hardworking and mm-hmm. extremely skilled too. Great, great musicians. And I know a few people in the band and they're just... They're all quality people as well as as musicians. So definitely support uh, the Fog Cutters and definitely support just uh, local musicians wherever you happen to be. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we have come to that time finally for, for many of you thinking like, oh, my gosh, are they talking about Battlestar Galactica? Because this one's running real long. Uh, we've come to the end of our, our long and winding road in the book of Boba Fett, Real and Jabroni. And we thank you for tuning in. We thank you for sticking with us this long. And my God, if you made it this far, have yourself a beverage on us. Mm. Uh, just make sure that you get it out of your refrigerator after you've bought it. And but it, totally, it's on us totally so uh but thank you so much uh if you if you would like to join the free range edc congregation yeah it's very easy to do there's there's no enrollment there's no uh, rituals uh there's no uh, hazing involved there's no specific uniform although if you want to come up with one you know you do you i'm not here to tell you what to do and how to do it well, actually, that is what we do. But anyways, uh, what you ought to do to join the Free Range Idiots Congregation is you go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. That's it. That's it. That's all you got to do. And you can find us on Apple Podcasts. We are on Google Podcasts. We are on iHeartRadio. We are on Spotify. We are on several other services that I probably don't even know about. 
Go ahead and search for Free Range ADC and you will find us. You can also go to freerangeadc.com and find all of our episodes there and subscribe through Podbean. Whatever works for you, just make sure that you subscribe and make them numbers climb because, damn it, that just makes us feel good. And if you want a little extra credit, if you want to move up from, say, uh, just a parishioner to possibly a, a, a deacon, an associate deacon in the Church of Idiocy, uh, what you got to do is you got to make sure you follow us on the social medias. We are on Instagram. We are on Facebook. We are on Twitter. All of those are at Free Range Idiocy, where you can find us. And if you have any questions, thoughts, concerns, offers of bribery, and especially if you have complaints, I want you to send all of those to Tim at FreeRangeIdiocy.com, and he will deal with those forthwith, if not sooner. And mm-hmm. now we come to that portion of the show where I finally stop flapping my gums. And if one thing, if we learn one thing so far is that I do enjoy flapping my gums, especially <laughs> after the weekend geek. Oh my gosh. I'm ashamed of myself and I apologize. But first we need to ask a very important question and no, it is not the most important question ever asked by humanity, which is of course, what is hip? It is the second most important question ever asked by humankind. And that is, the hell did we learn this episode uh we have learned the following sir i'm always so comforted when you have a list when uncle Todd does the content collection for the week in geek well one can bank no, on a a two plus hour episode <laughs> i'm i'm ashamed of myself i truly am <laughs> truly am i've become i have oh. become that which i despise <laughs> We have learned Spider-Man is, is earning some ching, and uh, rightfully so. Very, very well done story. Very well done movie. Do check it out. All the money. Uh, BSG reboot. Uh, Uncle Todd and the man they call Tim are a, a massive, massive sell on this one. This <laughs> well, is this just... Is, there's nothing it, to happens, sell. It's it like happens. crypto at this point. It's, oh it's like... Gosh. it's like that's what Actually, that's what it should be. It's BSG crypto, and it's worth like one thousandth of a cent right now. Is it now. like an people, NFT? Not even. It's like the worst <laughs> NFT ever. Like for 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 your money, you get a little squiggle, mm-hmm. and it's not even a cool squiggle. Like they did in the like what is that? A jazz on the on the coffee cups. Ah, yeah. that thing. It's not even yeah. cool like that. It's just it's literally like a ballpoint pen squiggle. That was a mistake. Indeed. Rogue One, five years old. So you know, if, if you're looking over the holidays for. A movie to just burn some time. Uh, do check it out. It is a fantastic standalone Star Wars movie that bridges the uh, the prequels and the original trilogy together, and uh, just just fantastically directed, well acted, and uh, oh, that Vader scene at the end. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it'll it, it'll get a little dusty in the room. Uh, and then, as as we have talked uh, for for this episode about uh, Book of Boba Fett, a lot of interesting ideas and thoughts about what could happen here. And, and I'm very excited, as is Uncle Todd, to see uh, what uh, the great minds at Disney uh, are going to put forth here, because they have they have done phenomenal storytelling uh, up to this point, and I have no doubt uh, whatever journey they have this this character who is iconic in uh, in the Star Wars universe uh, that they will have. Uh, him go on a journey that will be storied and something we will be talking about. So yes, indeed. With that being said, and and also a uh, we you know we should give a special thank you to our, our our children, to Kalen, TJ, and Jackson for taking the time to fill out their father's hairbrained. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> survey of what will actually happen and what won't and participating we we do appreciate it and um, as uncle todd has said we will definitely uh, you know have to try to get uh, one mr jimmy dice back on when when it works uh but merry christmas to him and the family and uh we uh i think with that are we to, ready are we ready to to step off of this platform I, I, I think it's time to, to take the platform and, and, and break it down into a, another platform. Um, Which is then forming be, a plat on the ground. The platform for something everyone You know how it is. Uh, it's time to wrap up, ladies and gentlemen. So as we like to say, be safe, be healthy, be kind, be good to one another. Uh, and, you know, it, it is Christmas time and uh, the twinkle lights burn a little bit extra of the energy bill. So if you would, please hit the lights on the way out. Just a... That's it! So I got to tell you this before we before we finish this up. So yes, sir. recording from home, the last episode in this episode has been lovely. First of all, recording in your in your PJs is just a beautiful thing. <laughs> but second of all, not having Patrick to worry about has been also just blissful. However, today he started texting me. Oh, yes. And you know, I mean, I've I've said a lot of, of bad stuff about Patrick, and and I've I've had a lot of laughs at his expense, and and this isn't a, a moment where I, relationship there, I believe. Yeah, yeah, and this isn't a moment where I apologize. This is where I say I'm going to have some more fun at his expense. I've been he's he asked me what a Yule log is. <laughs> oh gosh. And so I've I've been messing oh, with him all day, like kindling on a fire. <laughs> I've been messing with him all day about how it's actually it's it's a form of an illness. It's a very rare disease. Oh, geez. And he keeps telling me, well, no, I looked it up on the Internet. No, it's this is this. I'm like, no, no, Patrick, that's that's what they want you to believe. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, I've got him. I've got him into full on tinfoil hat territory right now. It's fan freaking tastic. He is nice. going to spend like uh, he's going to spend Christmas curled up like in his bed, like his head wrapped in tinfoil and just uh, just shivering. And it's oh, it's it's oh, ah. <laughs> now I feel gu- now that I've now that I've fully expressed all these thoughts. Now I'm feeling guilty. I'm going to have to call him after we talk. As and I'm you have to should. Let him off the Shame. Hook. Shame. Can I do it? Can I just get like one more day to mess with them? Can I have one more day and then it's still okay? Or is have it really you not bad? Have put that poor soul through enough? And <laughs> you put me into it? How, I have to have a fire extinguisher in every room of the office. <laughs> we per can't have trash code? cans anymore. <laughs> oh, good. No, Lord. per Patrick code. <laughs> can I get one more day to mess? That's it. I'm taking the extra day, but I'll let him off the hook tomorrow. I'll let, right. yeah. Okay, right. 12 hours. I'll let him off the hook tomorrow afternoon. Just trying All to right? be the voice of, of Christmas spirit and reason for you, sir. I know. Freaking annoying. <laughs> <laughs> well, Patrick, I tried. And that's all you can do. Now get the hell out of here!